suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello out there, welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Morahan, and my brother J.S. to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and yes, we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. Today we introduce I Fought the Law, Part 3. We return to the story of one of rock and roll's all-time greatest hit songs ever, I Fought the Law, made most famous by Bobby Fuller uh, and his Bobby Fuller Force rendition that became a worldwide sensation in the spring of 1966 as it raced up those billboard charts. But it's, but it's way more than just a rock song about a fictional outlaw that runs afoul of the law in song and expresses regrets at having ruined his life by doing stupid stuff like robbing people at gunpoint. You know, that song became one of the all-time great rock and roll hit songs. It's really one for the ages, but there's more to it than uh, a fictional outlaw and his regret. For there exists in real life a number of very, very strange interconnections between the song itself, uh, Bobby Fuller, and the true non-fictional dark side of human nature. You know, twisted tales, stories involving real life bad guys, really bad guys, murder, mayhem. Bobby Fuller, and I fought the law. Sometimes the law won, and other times the outlaws won. Well, you'll see as we move on with the story. And I've promised that we will eventually wind up weirdly with the story of General Manuel Noriega. But in the meantime, Rolling Stone magazine, which for more than 50 years now has made a great deal of money and established a great deal of of street cred depicting the music scene over the decades actually has ranked Bobby Fuller's I Fought the Law as the 175th greatest rock and roll song of all time. Quite a feat for a song that never reached number one on the Billboard charts. And I'm completely okay with this. Okay with that ranking because to this day, Every time I hear this song, no matter where I am, it somehow still makes me feel good, gets the blood racing a bit, and strikes me as simply a fabulous, energizing number. And I know I am not the only one who feels this way about this tune. (laughs) Bobby Fuller's rendition of of I Fought the Law over time has inspired uh, some big-time acts to take a crack at this killer of a rock and roll hit. As varied a group of artists as the living legend himself, the boss, Bruce Springsteen, he released a version of the song, as did the Dead Kennedys, a band that that I I have hated for so long for so many reasons, not worth talking about right now. And this, of course, was gratuitous. But in any event, then there was the iconic... Roy 
Pretty Woman Orbison. He released a well-crafted but far less popular version of this song. Of course, far more inconspicuously, there was the release of I Fought the Law, you know, by the lesser-known Wisconsin pop-punk band Masked Intruder, whom offered the world their rather idiosyncratic version of this track, radically modifying the opening lyric from I Fought the Law and the Law Won to the far more ominous, far more menacing sounding, but one's got to admit quite memorable, catchy, even poetic. I fought the law, but the law beat the shit out of me. You probably never have heard that song, but it was, you know, it's an intensely nihilistic, anarchic, but picturesque lyric even if this version is doomed, and I repeat, doomed to remain far less a classic with a short shelf life. Hmm. Sidebar comment. The explicit violence suggested by Mass Intruder's version of the song brings several things to my mind immediately. You know, the senseless, terrifying violence of Stanley Kubrick's Clockwork Orange, which provokes the longing for those long-gone good old days. But the truth is, those good old days may never have existed or existed only in my mind, leaving us only then with the philosophical inquiry made so famously and so poignantly by Rodney King, when he so succinctly, so eloquently ruminated about and queried of society in general after getting his settlement money, but before beating his wife senseless. Why, he asked, why can't we all just get along? Why can't we all just get along? Good question, Rodney. So back to I Fought the Law. Though it's true, without, without the slightest hint of doubt, that Bobby Fuller's rendition of the song was, as, was a much more popular, far bigger hit, and the sales stats confirm this fact, it cannot be denied that Masked Intruder's nightmarish version of the song, released in 2011, no doubt captured the elementary mean streets perception, you know, the urban streets truth, the spirit as was intended by the song's original lyrics. That is, you fight the man and the odds are the man will beat the shit out of you. And it's true. That's just the way it goes. Now, in all honesty, <laughs> I am obligated to report that I have never had any problems with the police, the man. And I don't know any of my friends who have had problems with the police ever. The few times I've interacted with the police, they've been nothing but helpful, nothing but accommodating, and have acted as professionals at all times. But then I hadn't done or been in the process of doing anything wrong, doing anything criminal at the time of any of my interactions with the police. So to be clear, 
I wasn't in the process of committing a crime. But seemingly millions, ever more millions of Americans have had problems with the police. Hence, defund the police movements are active. <laughs> it's just, just an insanity of a civic policy in opposition to and, and contrary to all of recorded human history. It's conceived this policy is by idiots. To seriously suggest or, or, or to want to adopt in a large, diverse, and ever-polarized and ever-less-civilized community such a policy as defund the police is a recipe for social decline and civilizational ruin. It is. And the current trend to defund the police, you know, raise the statutory requirements of what defines, you know, what constitutes a felony, and then combine the above with a perverse social justice formula whereby and wherein the DAs will not indict offenders for crimes and provides no cash bail requirements while expressing sympathy not for the victims of crime, but rather maintain sympathy for the offenders. Whoa, now you've got a mixed cocktail such that all law-abiding citizens effectively have been roofied. They have been made vulnerable. Whole communities have been ruined and are going to be ruined. Outlaws terrifying neighborhoods without policing in asinine interest of the pursuit of alleged Equity. Oh, my God. You know, today, um, Americans wake up weirdly to find that they've been, they've been screwed, not, not only by the outlaws, but by the state as well. Yes, a gang rape of sorts. It's disgusting. Maybe outlaws fight the law and the outlaws win. Hmm. In, in the USA, in 2023, the lyrics to Bobby Fuller's hit song might need to be reworked to more closely resemble masked intruders' version. Alter to, I fought the law, robbed and beat the shit out of people, and I won. I fought the law, and the outlaw won. That should be the new title, the new lyrics. What's worse than having no laws. Well, it's having laws, but laws are, that are not enforced. That's worse. So when, so when Bobby Fuller ripped into, I fought the law and the law won, he likely never, never would have anticipated the day when he'd meet his tragic end at the hands of mobsters, monsters like Mo Levy and his extensive connection of outlaw associates. He never saw it coming. And for sure, he never could have guessed there might come a day when the U.S. justice system would just come undone as exemplified by scumbag loser like Jesse Smollett. These kind of things just can't happen. But in America these days, you can fight the law and the law won't win. Hmm. I'm so shocked and offended when, 
whenever I recall or hear reference to this piece of garbage, Jesse Smollett. I mean, to refresh your memory, just in case you forget this guy, this is the asshole who claimed that while in Chicago near Rush Street, two white guys wearing MAGA hats had attempted to lynch him one night in Chicago. I mean, such a terrifying evil criminal action would be an atrocity. Oh my God, this would be terrible for America. A disastrous and potentially incendiary allegation such that in, in, inside this racial tinderbox that is America, we would all be destroyed. Except in this case, it never happened. A black, a black police chief and... His detectives in force were all over this case right from the drop, immediately responding to this claim of a potential lynching on Rush Street. Oh, my God. 1,500 hours were spent investigating this scumbag, Jesse Mollett's completely fictitious, fabricated, bogus claim of, of being the victim of a hate crime in 2019. And the truth is, the attempted, the attempted lynching of Smollett never happened. He had planned everything. He made it all up. He even rehearsed it. In fact, he staged the fake lynching, and he hired two Nigerian brothers who he knew to put a noose around his neck and beat him up for a while. Moronically, Smollett had paid the brothers for their services, for their roles in this, by writing them a personal check for $3,500 for services rendered. Can you believe this? And then he gave them $100 cash to purchase things like a rope to be used in a lynching, some red hats, gloves, and masks. I kid you not. Smollett even then staged a dry run of the lynching in front of CCTV cameras, gave the Nigerians their script, telling them exactly what he wanted them to say while they were potentially, allegedly lynching him. Can you believe this? The, the disgraced Mr. Mr. Smollett believed he'd gather media attention via the attempted lynching, reports of the attempted lynching, furthering, and this is why he did it, furthering his bargaining power in efforts to win a salary increase in his multi-million dollar salary dispute with the producers of Empire who believed that Jesse was adequately compensated for his rather insignificant role in the series. I mean, Mr. Smollett, feeling underappreciated, decided to pull out the old famous, hey, two white guys in, a MAGA, in MAGA hats tried to lynch me stunt as a bargaining chip. Can you believe this guy? To begin a race war, to increase one's already inflated but still thought undervalued paycheck appears to me to be the actions of a rather narcissistic human being, at least to me anyway. But, but given this is America, it's 2023, and Mr. Smollett was an oppressed, 
albeit very well paid, double minority. He was checking two boxes. He was African-American and he was gay to boot. And he believed a fake lynching claim to be an attractive means by which to gain a bargaining chip with his employers. Chicago's black DA Kim Fox, herself checking two boxes, African-American, female, to the great, great dismay and anger of the chief of Chicago's police department and the Chicago mayor freed she freed Mr. Smollett, a man willing to have risked instigating a race war in the city of Chicago in a, in a secret hearing she held in the wee hours of the morning. She barely slapped him on the wrist and let him go. Why would she do such a thing? Hmm, I wonder. Fortunately, I mean, and I mean this, fortunately, things have deservedly all going financially downhill for this bum, Jesse Smollett, mired now in court for more than four years, racking up huge legal bills ever since he reported his fake lynching on Rush Street in Chicago by two white guys wearing MAGA hats in January of 2019. I mean, there there had been some rather unpredictable legal ups and downs for normal people, everyday citizens of the United States, as we witness the DA Kim Fox do some crazy legal shit, maneuvering to help Jesse get out of trouble, avoid the criminal penalties that he surely deserved for what he had done. But at the end of the day in this case, the, at the end of the day, normal people, law-abiding citizens of the USA versus one scumbag, Jesse Smollett, I would say that he fought the law and the law has won. It's been a circuitous thing, but we got him because Jesse has certainly paid and paid and paid. So much for that salary increase. Now, With that scumbag finally behind us, it's time we move on to the story of a really, really bad guy. General Manuel Noriega and his experience, tangentially, of course, and his involvement with Bobby Fuller. Let's rock and roll in our next episode with the General and the U.S. Marines. Hey, thanks for listening and hope you will tune in to Part four, and the last part of I Fought the Law and the Law One. Bye-bye. I slipped from the harbor, head out to the sea. Crystal blue water surrounding me Tap to the wind, taste the sea breeze Tropical heaven on the coral sea A little more rum I think of my wife What did I do? Have I ruined my life? Tell her I've changed, become a new man I promise I will and I know that I can When did the skies change, when did we turn back How am I ever gonna get myself back 
The sea's now boiling and I'm getting cold I've lost my sails, got to find a way home Alone in my boat, I think of my wife I'm lost in a drift on the high seas of life From tomorrow, days from the land Nothing can save me unless fate lends a hand Storm, it is worse than I no control The wind and the waves are taking their toll I look to the stars, there's none I can see I'm afraid fate, she has answered me Only moments my story will end There was a story I wanted to send Oh, how I dream for the calm of the sea A beautiful face smiling back at me The sea is boiling and I'm getting cold I've lost my sails, got to find a way home When did the skies change? When did they turn black? How am I ever gonna get myself back? Alone in my boat, I think of my wife I'm lost in a drift on the high seas of life When did the skies change? When did they turn black? How am I ever gonna get myself back? Alone in my boat I think of my wife, I'm lost in a drift on the high sea.